Welcome to the Second in Command podcast, produced by the COO Alliance and brought to you by its founder, Cameron Harold. In the Second in Command podcast, we talk to top COOs who share the insights, strategies, and tactics that made them the chief behind the chief. And now, here's your host, Cameron Harold. Alex is the Director of Operations at Carrot, a software company that helps high-achieving real estate investors and agents generate leads online. Carrot's customers are able to run highly profitable businesses and make an impact in their communities. Carrot focuses on website and marketing performance and helping their customers stand out in the crowded space that is real estate marketing. Alex joined Carrot in 2014 as employee number four and has helped grow the company to pass 30 employees and 6,500 customers. Alex bleeds orange and loves seeing Carrot customers change their lives for the better. Alex has been involved in projects and initiatives across all business functions and enjoys bridging the gap between departments to make the biggest impact for Carrot and its customers. He's a self-proclaimed spreadsheet addict and loves to see a well-organized or well-organized project with clear metrics and objectives. Alex finds balance in life by leaving the office and enjoying all the Pacific Northwest has to offer with his wife, Morgan, and their twin daughters, Nora and Hadley. Also, have a fun story about Alex. He set a goal two years ago to eventually get the company to the size that he would be able to join the COO Alliance. And about two weeks ago, he attended his first COO Alliance event. We got to have a picture together, and he told me the story. And he kind of got choked up, and I got a little choked up as well. So, Alex, welcome to the Second in Command podcast. Thanks, Cameron. Pleasure to be here. Yeah, this is really cool. That was a really neat story that you shared with me um, two weeks ago, and I was um, I was kind of touched to hear that. So maybe why don't we even just start really briefly with that? How did you first learn about the CO Alliance, and and how did your what was it that that uh, I guess had you wanting to join that? Yeah, absolutely. So uh, it, it kind of honestly goes to uh, the credit goes to Trevor, our CEO. He's a part of a couple of mentor groups and was uh, always challenging me like, you know, you got to find mentors, you got to find people who have been there, done it before you. Um, so, you know, Google searching obviously is what put me onto you in the first place. And then listening to a lot of the podcast episodes, I was like, all right, that's going on my gold board. Um, I actually tweeted you too. And you tweeted back and he's like, okay, well, hold. I said, um, Hey, I'm going to join the COO line soon. Like save me a spot. And you said, okay, see you soon. <laughs> so, Hey, I got that picture next to the tweet. So it's a pretty cool story. That's awesome. Um, all right. So, so tell us just briefly, and that's really cool that you chased that down and thanks again for, for telling me that story. So why don't you tell us briefly what carrot is as well? Just, so we get a bit more of a layman's terms idea of what carrot the company is. Sure. And then I want you to tell us about how you actually got the carrot.com I think there's a cool story there as well. Yeah, absolutely. So yeah, so Carrot, uh, in layman's terms, we allow our customers to launch a website, uh, but it's a little bit more than that. On the back end, we have a bunch of tools, resources, trainings that allow them to uh, use creative marketing, marketing that we've tested and proven that it works. So uh, some of the common practices that Carrot customers use, like fix and flips, if you've ever seen any of those shows on HGTV, where they have houses that are, uh, you know, need a little bit of remodeling. Uh, our customers will market to people who want to sell those houses. They'll fix them up and then um, turn around and sell them. We also have a lot of agents using our websites for the more traditional, you know, list your house and um, all that kind of stuff. So that's what Carrot does in a nutshell. Um, Carrot as like a brand has always been something, you know, people have asked us, you know, why, why Carrot? It seems so uh, abstract for real estate. It actually came from our, our original brand, or sorry, website was on carrot, like you need to get on carrot. But the whole carrot idea comes from like the carrot on the stick uh, mm-hmm. mentality. And that's what sure. lead generation in our, our mind was. 
Um, but Carrot, we always saw as like a, a platform, like a much bigger play at anything that is a high margin business. We wanted the website uh, to be from Carrot. So we knew in order to kind of brand that way, we needed to own Carrot.com. We've been trying for years and years to, to grab that domain. Um, it was always, it was never available and we became aware that it was available. And the story was, was kind of sad. Um, the guy who originally owned the domain passed away mm. and his family had it. So we had to go through, you know, probate and everything. But then once the family learned there was some, there was a pretty, you know, uh, tangible asset worth some money. Uh, we got involved with the broker and he's like, all right, we're doing a one-time offer. There's no counter offers. You got to give your best offer. We're going to put them all in front of the family and uh, we'll, we'll let them decide. So we had no idea what other people were willing to bid for on the domain. So to sweeten the deal, uh, we, we threw some money at it. And then to sweeten the deal, we said, hey, Michael was the name of the guy who owned the website before. We will put a page on our domain with uh, a tribute to Michael and all of his artwork. He was an artist that did a special type of painting. Uh, and we'll kind of like memorialize him on, on Carrot. So he'll always be uh, a part of Carrot. And, uh, you know, that, that really spoke Case to them. Closed. And, yeah, yeah, nailed it. So that's all to Trevor's credit. Uh, pretty savvy negotiator and uh, got, the, got the deal locked up. But it's a really interesting connection to what actually matters to people that is kind of the intangible. That's really cool. Yep. Absolutely. Sorry. All right. So you got involved with Carrot as a young company. Um, so 2014. So you were pretty mm -hmm. young at the time as well. But what was it that attracted you to such a small brand, like so many, so few employees? Yeah. So like to tell that story quickly, uh, I knew of Trevor, him and I both went to the same um, college. It's a very small college in Southern Oregon called Oregon Tech. And we knew he was there probably like four or five years before me. And we had a mutual friend and he was like, Hey, I know this guy who's like starting this online business thing. You should reach out to him. So I did, uh, I did an internship and at the time carrot, it was before like pre carrot when he was just getting it off the ground, didn't have any money to pay me. And so I went and I was doing um, sales for another company and uh, didn't enjoy that as much and just kept in contact with Trevor. And he's like, Hey, I'm making some money. You want to come over here and help me grow this thing? And I was like, send me an offer today. I'll put my two week notice in. And I did. So really it was just the idea of the online, the software, real estate. I always kind of knew uh, I wanted some piece of that. And then when we put all three together, I was just all in on it. So you've been with the company then through its entire growth. Um, mm -hmm. When did you move into the COO role? Yeah, so that's been somewhat recent, I would say. Uh, so at the start of 2018, we like created an operations team. Uh, I headed that up. And then um, 2019 was definitely more uh, towards the back half of 2019 is when I started taking on uh, more of the traditional um, COO type operations. And uh, we're, we're obviously growing that into the future. And uh, I'm excited to see kind of like what the next step of that at Carrot looks like. Awesome. So what, what parts of the company do you run? What parts of the company does Trevor run now? How do you guys divide and conquer? Yeah, that's a great question. It's something we're still, you know, working through and figuring out kind of on a quarter by quarter basis. But right now, um, I have the success team, which customer success team, um, the operations team, which we use as a, a team to enable like systems and process and training across the entire team. Um, and then Trevor, I would say mainly focuses on marketing. That's his kind of uh, strong suit uh, marketing product uh, as well, making sure that those are dialed in. And as we're growing together, Trevor and I, our relationship's improving. Uh, I'm starting to take on more of the internal stuff with employees, um, hiring, 
maintaining the culture and he's like starting to focus more externally on, you know, the, the shift that's happening in the market, higher level uh, strategic partnerships, potentially getting interested in some M&A uh, opportunities and things like that. And you talked about getting into some other, I guess, areas on the, the um, I forget how you described it, not higher net worth, but um, higher, what was it, the other kinds of companies that would be selling online? Oh yeah. Yeah. So we're interested in like taking the brand outside of real estate at some point right. it's in our yeah. like uh 10 year vision, anything that's high margin. High so, margin. Okay. But yeah. yeah you're, not, like you're, staying in, you're in real estate currently. That's your owners, right. And staying deep in that for a while. Yep. Okay. Yeah. So we mentioned just before we kind of got, um, got onto the call that, that you guys have done a really good job with some of your work related to strategic planning. I think I want to start mm -hmm. with, with strategic planning, go into a couple of other areas. So sure. what was it over the years that you learned about strategic planning that you got better at? Yeah. So, I mean, we've, we've, we've definitely failed uh, quite a bit um, adopting different methodologies, but I think what we've done a good job of at Carrot is kind of looking at things as like, hey, let's test this out for a quarter or two, see if this gives us clarity and alignment, see if we can, you know, progress to our goals uh, in a comfortable way without, you know, stressing everybody out. Um, so over the years, we've tried things like smart goals, we've tried things like um, agile, uh, scrum, um, all these kinds of uh, methodologies. But for, for right now, what's working is uh, OKRs, um, we've done a good job of making sure it's an alignment and a communication tool. We're getting better at uh, setting those OKRs, knowing the right way to set up key results, what a good objective actually is. And I would say uh, most of our effort goes on the annual planning, and then we just kind of break those down quarterly. So the quarterly call, we just had it uh, this week. It was the best call quarterly uh, reset is what we call it we've had ever. And it was because everybody was kind of already in alignment on what we're doing for the year. So it's like, cool, let's just scope it to Q2. What did we accomplish in Q1? Let's review the budget, the finances. This is still valid and valuable. So let's just move it into Q2 with some updated key results. Uh, it's quick, it's efficient. Everybody's kind of on the same page. Everybody already sees how their team and them personally can benefit uh, from some of the objectives and key results. And so I just feel like we're in a really good spot there. How many of your um, team are involved in coming up with the OKRs or coming up with the strategic plan for the company? It's a good question. So for OKRs, we try to involve the entire team. Uh, we actually ask for feedback from each team member before we set OKRs each quarter to see if there's any opportunities that the leadership team is missing or um, that they're aware of at the customer level because you know sometimes we are somewhat removed from the customer interaction. And then as far as the strategic planning at the leadership level, right now there is eight leaders who are uh, all on the call and to represent basically each business function has a voice um, at the table for, for the strategic plan. And do those eight business leaders, do you all have a, a weekly meeting rhythm for the eight of you as well? We do. Yep. We do and, Monday, Fridays. Okay. And how do those work? Walk us through what the format is of those. Sure. So the format, we always start with a win or a celebration. We always want to come in with energy. And ideally, it's something from a team member, even a cross-functional team member um, to call out. Um, then we look at scorecards and just make sure we're, we're looking at the key metrics. From there, it's a quick rock review or OKR um, review just to make sure anybody has status updates that need attention. If anything's red, meaning low confidence, it's going to get done. We address that right away. Uh, after that, it's usually announcements uh, from Trevor or I at the company level, just making sure people are all cut up. And then we wrap it up with 
um, issues, type parking lot, anything from the week that we need to review uh, on the leadership call. And then we wrap it up. Pretty simple. So uh, then you and Trevor, how often do the two of you meet just one-on-one? Yeah, that's, uh, that's always changing just depending on the season we're in. Right now, it's about three times per week. Um, but we're both, uh, since we're a remote company, we're both in Slack um, quite a bit. And uh, we text in Vox uh, constantly. So yeah. I don't ever feel like he's, you know, sometimes if I can't get him on text, I'll just Vox him. And one way or another, I'm going to get a hold of him. <laughs> yeah, Voxer has been good. I've been starting to use something called Marco Polo, which is like a video, it's like mm-hmm. a video version of Voxer. Is Voxer video now or is it just audio still? I think it's just audio. I've, I've used Marco Polo with like my family and stuff. That's, that's interesting to think about for like a business application that might be better than Voxer. If you I think it's way it. better. It's even better than Voxer because a couple of things happen. You get some of the, um, some of the, the, the visual of the other person, right. you get some more expression and a little bit more of the intention behind what they're saying. You also do get to see the other person and it's like, Hey man, good job. But you kind of see that they're smiling and they mean it versus like, did they right. really mean it? Um, <laughs> there's a lot more that comes over it. And then I think there is a bit of that human connection that even though you're not talking over video, you feel like you are cause you just got a video message back and forth. It's a really clean, simple application that I think is powerful in business. That is interesting. Yeah. I only, uh, only started using it just recently. Uh, to um, test that out. So, so you go from the OKRs and strategic planning into scorecards with each of your individual team members then as well. You mentioned that to me earlier. How yeah. do you run the scorecards? How do you set those up? Yeah. Um, like I was mentioning in, in the intro, the, uh, I love spreadsheets. So our scorecard is hundred percent, uh, spreadsheet right now. There's pros and cons to that. Um, things do break in spreadsheets, especially if you have 30 people updating them. Um, I know there's tools out there, software out there, and I am starting to get to the point where I'm, a, I'm interested in looking for moving from a spreadsheet to software. But like you always say, like you always want to start with a spreadsheet, keep it simple, understand like, you know, what the process is and then look for something to automate it. So each team has a tab and then um, there's at the, at the top level of each tab is the, the team uh, metrics and then below that is individuals. And a lot of times they ladder up, which is really nice to see. We're a big uh, believer in it. if you can see your contribution as an individual going up to the team and going totally. up to the company, you have ownership in this company. And so we try to do that as much as we can. Totally. How often do you revisit the scorecards with the team members? Um, so we bring it up on, I have like a view, if you will, that's just the high level, like company metrics. We look at that on our Monday call with all um, team members so they could see we're pretty open uh, financially as well. So we share all like the top line um, revenue, uh, user growth, MPS, all that stuff at the company. Um, and then each team is responsible for looking at their team ones on the call, which is usually right before the company call. Do you share any of the expenses with the company at all? Um, we do. Yeah, we're not like it's, it's public in our Google Drive, but it's not something we typically bring up unless it's something of, you know, we're underutilizing a, a line item or way over uh, on a line item and just kind of call it out and say, we're aware and here's what we're doing to you know fix it kind of thing. Okay. And any reason why you're not getting deeper into the, the expenses side then yet? Not really. Yeah. Uh, it's probably, it's probably an optimization point for sure. Uh, Cause yeah, yeah it's like kind of input output, like here's what we spent to get this result. And it would probably do a better job of like connecting the, the story of why we're doing some of the things we're doing. Yeah, I think that's actually, you just nailed it. That's actually the core reason to show people the expenses. They understand why we make some of the decisions that we make in terms of investing. We have, they start understanding some of the ROI behind things. They also understand why we might be saying no on some other investments. And then they start treating the business like a bit more of a business instead of just a project by project too. So there's, 
there is some benefits from it for sure. It's not an easy art to do, but it sounds like you guys would be able to pull it off. In the, in the 30 people you mentioned to me earlier that you've got about seven people in an office and about 30 people remote. Mm -hmm. How are you dealing with having the remote employees and what tools are you using to keep them aligned and to keep the communication high? And then I want to dive into culture a little bit with you. Sure. Absolutely. Yeah. So we've, uh, we've been, uh, on Slack for a long time. That's our main source of communication. Um, I don't know, since we've always been a remote company, it's kind of just felt like uh, a natural, like we haven't had a ton of pain points with it, uh, which is nice. I would say on the whole, the team is, is generally younger. So it just feels like, you know, adopting new software to, to run some of this stuff is comes pretty uh, natural for most. Yeah. yeah. So we use Slack, uh, Google, uh, hangouts, uh, sauna for, for project management, but yeah, it's been pretty good. Okay. Anything that doesn't work well for you in, in culture over, over managing the remote teams or talk to me a little bit about culture. Cause you, you mentioned to me earlier that you've got a fairly good company culture too. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah, sometimes, uh, it's even funny, like hearing us talk about Marco Polo, that was something where, you know, in Slack, a lot of times you can work with somebody all week and have maybe one or two calls but I have no idea like the, the home life situation. And I think that's a, an optimization point for us. I love the idea of Marco Polo. I'd like to see, you know, where they're at, if they're out on a walk, if they're at home, if they got, you know, the baby in the background, just so I feel like a little more connected to them. Um, that definitely has lost a, a little bit in the remote aspect. Um, as far as like tooling and stuff, the only well, thing I hadn't that- actually, I hadn't even thought of that, but I mean, without playing big brother, it's actually not a bad way to get an idea as to where your employees are during the <laughs> right? Yeah. All of a sudden you get a little Marco Polo back and you're like, oh shit, you're on the ski hill. All right, you're yeah. not really, you say, gotcha. That's, so that's kind of going into culture. Like we really don't care as long as you're hitting, you know, project um, deadlines and not slowing anybody else's progress down. I mean, there are some rules that, you know, you have to be in front of a computer, like if you're on the um, support team, like taking chat, but if you're heavily project based, like yeah, as long as you're you know committing to realistic timelines and getting the work done, uh, we don't mind what you do at two o'clock in the afternoon. But um, the the other thing about remote work is anybody's like listening to this and thinking about you know allowing people to go. The thing I would say in the culture is uh, sharing your your monitor or your screen so they can see you. Mm -hmm. A lot of times people want to you know turn off their, their camera and as much as you can. Um, try and guard against that just because you can like you were we were already talking about you could see are they energetic are they focused are they on their phone all that well, kind of stuff because and there's matters. more of a human connection when you have that yep. when you're on video too right yeah absolutely absolutely yeah, i was talking to someone earlier today about that and just saying that that in this time that we're in right now we're in the midst of of this whole coronavirus scan so when people listen to this in a year you'll know exactly where we are the world is kind of shutting down and panicking <laughs> um the I think it's more important than ever to have that human connection with our employees, our customers, our suppliers, our banker, our accountant, and doing it over video is just a really powerful, easy way to build that connection versus over audio or over text. And I think we've, right. um, I think we've migrated from the office environment into some digital platforms that have helped us communicate and be faster, but we've lost a little bit of that human connection. I think we are, we are still human, just kind of start striving for that or starving for that. But I think there's also a strategic benefit that we, um, you know, we build better relationships and then the business is going to scale because of that too. Absolutely. What do you struggle with in, in terms of your role? I mean, you've had to grow with the company as you've been, um, you know, been building the organization. What have you struggled with in terms of your growth? Um, personally, I think it's uh, managing 
people. Um, mm. And it's, you know, I, I fundamentally believe people want to show up on Monday and want to do great work and want to be ambitious and want to, um, you know, do right by the company. And then, you know, a process that's clear in my mind or a way about uh, solving a problem might be clear as day to me, but getting somebody to buy in and understand and like think about it the same way or follow the process and like uh, expect the same outcome has been a bit of a challenge. It's something I'm always growing and learning, but it's also a fun challenge, right? Like it's, I started with the company as a very strong individual contributor and then transitioning that skill set to then, you know, coaching people, training people and getting them to do like working through them has been a really exciting and difficult challenge, but I enjoy it. Well, and, and you clearly are showing up as a leader too. I mean, you've just joined the COO Alliance. So you're going to be in this network of second in commands from, I guess at our last event, we had people from four countries. Um, so you'll be in, in with that peer group and scaling, but what have you, have you specifically worked on any specific skill areas for yourself over the last couple of years? Yeah, I would say, um, conflict, uh, resolution is, is one for sure. Uh, finding ways to, to boost my, uh, emotional intelligence. Um, we've talked about, um, different personality tests, getting people to take those and not just looking and be like, Oh, but like actually learning what that personality is because it's different than mine is um, something I've, I've been working more and more um, towards. That's interesting. Walk me through what you've learned in terms of the conflict management model. I'm interested in that. Yeah, so um, it's, it's interesting because there's actually a, a team member who does some of that. So he's on my team, so it's great because I kind of just pick his brain and take on some like personal coaching from him. But things like um, mirroring back to, to somebody what their actual concern is, um, with the conflict, I think, uh, I've done a better job of learning to, if there is an open loop, um, closing the loop with them and like coming to a resolution and making sure on both sides of it that you're closed on the resolution. Um, that's been huge for me because I'm thinking I'm closing the loop and they're like, no, you're not, <laughs> you're not closing it. And so how do you close that loop? Is this something specifically you ask them or something specifically you say, or yeah, usually like this is, I probably could level up here, but I usually just set a reminder in Asana or my calendar to follow back. Like after it's kind of, I feel like there's some sort of resolution. I'm like, let me just book it out three days. And I just ping, I'm like, Hey, I know we had some, some closure on that. Is there anything we need to tackle or is there anything we need to still address? If it comes back, no, then in my mind, I'm like, cool. I think I got it. So have you closed the loop with your wife, Morgan on everything or there's still, <laughs> <laughs> there's still a couple open loops, right? With, with everybody in our relationship, that's a really good tool. It's like, so are we good now? It's like, sometimes it takes, you're right. It takes some time at, at times, right? Yep. Yeah. I could probably just set like a recurring uh, reminder for, for <laughs> Morgan and me. <laughs> right, we all could, right? That's what flowers are for. Exactly. Um, so let's talk about you and Trevor for a second. I mean, I was joking about you and your wife, but your, your secondary wife is Trevor. Or, yeah. uh, so you and he have been building the company together virtually from the get-go. Tell us about a good conflict that you've had. I'm sure you guys have had at least one and we all have as leaders. Tell us about a good sure. conflict you guys have had. Sure. I'd be remiss to, to uh, not bring Chris, the other co-founder, into the mix. The three of us definitely have been on this journey together. So I just want to give Chris a little shout out. But I think the, the conflict that comes to mind is, I mean, years ago when Trevor was kind of casting vision for me, my career development here at Carrie, um, he would say things like, yeah, you got to get more strategic or um, you got to own this better. And it was always really hard for me to like see it 
or understand like what he meant. I'm like, okay, yeah. cool. Like show me. I want it. Like I'm a millennial, right? Like give it to me today. Like how do I do it? And I'd always push back and be like, give me three things with realistic timelines that you need to see me do uh, to, to prove it. He's like, well, it's not, it's not quite that simple, right? Like these are skills you can't just go like watch a, a Udemy course and master like in a, in a week. You have to, you know, go through experiences, challenges, hard things. And we're just kind of getting beyond that point. And I look back and I, I feel kind of foolish and naive, I guess, with my perception of how it was all going to go. But I'm so appreciative for the opportunity, you know. No, I think you were actually were fairly perceptive because I think the second side of that is that he needed to get better in terms of providing feedback that uh, learners and mentees need to be given very specific feedback, not general feedback. And often general is really hard for anybody to latch their head around. So I, I think you actually, you weren't doing anything wrong. I think in, in many ways he probably wasn't, hadn't grown yet in terms of how to give good feedback too. Yeah. It could have possibly been just like the right time, right place. And we were trying to align like I'm, um, yeah. Over here and he's like, I'm not there yet, but it's like the two people, one, one guy comes in for the fist bump and the other comes in for the <laughs> high five and they meet somewhere with an awkward hug. And it's like, what the hell is that about? Exactly. Um, yeah, that's okay. So, so you guys have had to work through a couple of those. How do you, how about staying on the same page with him and his vision? I mean, typically the CEO is the caretaker of vision and the COO is the caretaker of the plan. How do you guys stay on the same plate page? Um, yeah, that we're always working on it. And I, I know when I, I joined the CL Alliance, the last event, hearing some people uh, go through some of the same stuff, I was like, oh my gosh, finally, people who totally understand. But Trevor is very entrepreneurial. He'll get on a call in front of the company and he's excited about something and he's saying we're doing it. And, um, you know, me uh, sitting there like, wow, I know we talked about it, but uh, I didn't think it was like confirmed. So in terms of communication, I mean, it's just constantly like following up with people or with Trevor after the fact and be like, Hey, you know, that's great. I'm super excited for us, but let's like rein this in a bit and think about like optics and how we're going to like lay this out, but also giving him like complete freedom when he gets excited, like, go for it. And I know that and let's just course correct after. And, um, yeah, but I mean, Slack and all that kind of stuff's been pretty helpful because we're getting better at, um, kind of sending each other what we intend to send out to the whole company and like just aligning around it real quick. And uh, that's been pretty big for us. Well, you just touched on something as well, which is that I think all entrepreneurs tend to have the idea of the minute, right? Where they get inspired an idea they want to start. Sometimes they just want to start because they don't know where to keep all the ideas. And in the absence of a place to keep them, they need to get them started. So one question I've got is how do you green light, yellow light, and red light those ideas for him? So you know which ones to say, yes, go for it. And other ones, which ones to go, yeah, but not now. And others to go, great idea, but no, for never. Yeah, that's, that's a great question. Uh, I have a, a list in Asana where I try and keep uh, all those things. Trevor and I do a monthly commitment list uh, with all the leadership, but especially to each other. So anytime there's something that's outside of that, I'm always like, okay, which of these commitments do you want me to reprioritize or move so I can fit that on here? And then I'm always asking questions like, okay, is that, let me go check if that's an OKR, even though I already know uh, if it is or isn't, but just trying to realign around things we've already committed to. Yeah, that's the big one is which project do you want us to move? Because mm -hmm. often they have no intention of having us move a project at all, right? Yeah. Yeah, that's interesting. Um, how about in terms of, of staying aligned with, their, with, with his vision? How do, you, how do you do that? Yeah, that's a, that's a good question. We, uh, you know, we have like a, a document, which is like a one-year, three-year, um, ten-year. 
And I think anytime we kind of come to a tough decision or we can't decide, we pull up that doc and we try to align around it that way. And we ask each other That's tough questions. Yeah. Uh, we ask each other tough questions, but, um, it's, it's, it's kind of interesting because both of us, I think, can see where we're trying to go like very long-term with Carrot. And sometimes the more close year to two-year stuff is where we kind of miss a line, mm. um, which I don't know if that's common for, for that dynamic. But uh, What can be when you, when you don't attach a project to a goal or to which part of the Vivid Vision it's making come true, it's hard to understand why we're doing that project in the first place, right? So what's the relevancy? Mm-hmm. It's really attaching the relevancy of a project to a bigger goal or a higher purpose. What, like what is it making happen? Mm-hmm. Um, you mentioned that Trevor's a part of some groups that he's, you know, goes to and learns from. Which, where is he a member of or what does he go to? Yeah, so he was um, a part of Russell Brunson's group. I think uh, Russell's taken uh, some time off from that, so I don't believe they're meeting anymore. And then Dan Martell is another um, sure. coach mentor. Uh, he has a, a SAS Academy um, type program. And then Trevor actually runs his own mastermind, which he's done for years and years. So it's been pretty cool seeing some people come uh, in and out of there and getting to know them as well. They uh, primarily are in real estate, but not all of them. And as it's grown, it's definitely taken on um, more. It's mainly entrepreneurial uh, folks, but it's been cool to see that kind of grow as well. That's cool. Neat that he's a part of Dan's group. I, Dan and I have been a part of a group for five years called Mastermind Talks. And Dan's a, another great Canadian. Yeah. Um, I guess that just said that I'm a great Canadian. Dan is a great guy. <laughs> <laughs> that came off really weird. <laughs> um, we don't edit any of these podcasts, so that'll be in there for sure. Talk to me about how you hire. I mean, with, with a remote team right now, what do, you, what do you guys look for and what systems do you have in place in terms of hiring people and finding great people? Sure. Yeah. So our hiring process is, uh, is always somewhat changing, but we do a three, a three step hiring process where we have four R doc, which is your uh, role responsibilities results, which is like the, the most critical one there and requirements. Um, we have, we take that, we get kind of alignment around it, budget, et cetera. And then we go and find the candidates, right? Qualified candidates. We use some software to help us with the pipeline. Um, usually we have a team, that can kind of filter um, some of those first uh, interviews with some general questions. Then we take them to a step two, which is a test project. We try to keep it somewhat vague and mainly there, we're just looking to see like, can they commit to a timeline? Like this test is due by Thursday. How do they communicate? We leave it pretty open. We tell them to email us with like a specific subject line. So can they follow directions? Um, And then we just want to see how they present, how much time they can put into the presentation. Um, and then from there, we usually, if, if things are progressing, we might have a call to understand a little bit better about, you know, the role. Uh, and then the final step is always with Trevor at the end to make sure it's a culture fit uh, and whatnot. That's cool. I like that you've got each of the steps kind of laid out as well. You mentioned you use some software to help you with the process. What software do you use? We use Applicant Pro right now. Applicant App- Pro? Yeah, Applicant Pro. Interesting. How long have you been using that? We've been using it for about a year. You like it? We do. Yeah. yeah. I mean, it, it, it does. It's like a CRM on the back end, which is, you know, pretty common. But the, the power that I see in it is we can select which job boards we want to push to. Mm. So like for an engineering role, I know they want GitHub, they want um, AngelList, and they want Stack Overflow. And I can kind of set that up as like a, a saved group. And I know like customer success, there's like these five or six that we've found really good talent through. 
So it's kind of nice I have all these like presets. So when you tell me what you need, I kind of just click a couple buttons and it's um, building off stuff we've already figured out and developed. That's cool. Now, anything I haven't asked you that you want to make sure that we know about either you or Carrot, what's made you successful in your role or what, what's made the company successful? Um, yeah, we kind of touched on it a little bit, but I am just insanely proud of the culture, the team that we built at Carrot, the mission we're on. Um, I love uh, Trevor's outlook on business and life and how, you know, the, the more of an impact we can make in our local communities and in our uh, team members' lives, it's like all, all that business is worth. Like our mission is adding humanity back to business. Mm. We're passionate about that. It's something we feel like, especially in today's age, it's just like gone away. Uh, when we call customers on the phone and they're like blown away that they're like actually talking to, you know, either the CEO or someone who like helped start the company. And it's, just something that we're like passionate about and uh, genuinely enjoy. So um, I just wanted to get that out there. And if anybody's interested in Carrot or working for a company like that, let us know. Amazing to get you guys starting to do some video messages with customers. I think you'd go to the moon there as well. Yeah, we actually just got pitched one by uh, from Drift, and uh, we like yeah, like circulated in Slack like wildfire, and everybody's like, "Whoa! Like, why aren't we doing this?" Well, oh, someone pitched you one. Yeah, like Drift like had, sent us a video and it was like, hey, Carrot, like, uh, you know, showing our website, like showing how the feature could be adopted like in ours and it went through Slack. We're like, why are we doing this? Yeah, well, that's a huge, when, when you have that instant visceral reaction, jump on it because that's that's a, probably an easy to implement solution that sets you apart from all the competitors pretty quick. Yeah, absolutely. Alex, one final question. If you were to think back to your 22-year-old self when you were just starting out with Carrot or just starting out in your career, what word of advice do you wish you'd known then that now you know to be true? Read a lot of books. Um, be patient. It takes time. Uh, trust in yourself and if it's meant to be so shall it be nice i like it alex zerbach the coo for carrot.com thank you so much for joining us today really appreciate having you on the second command podcast thanks pleasure to be here all right we'll see you at the next co alliance event too all righty we'll do you've been listening to second in command brought to you by coo alliance founder cameron harold if you enjoyed this episode please be sure to subscribe for more best practices from industry-leading COOs, visit COOalliance.com.